Michael's a police officer, by the way. Kim goes, you might explain that. Okay, so open your Bibles to Psalm 80. 85, I believe. Psalm 84, verse 5, sorry. Just went blank for a second. You do know it's possible to go blank when you're standing in front of people? Can I get a witness? Okay, so... uh, Hey, we're wrapping this series up today. I'm excited about this. I'm excited about this message. And I do want to go ahead and put in a plug for next week. Next week, we're going to be starting a new series called Peace Under Pressure. And it's going to be lessons from the book of James. So anybody think they might need a little bit of that? We were thinking of artwork for this series and things like pipes and valves with steam coming off. You know, things like that. I don't know what the art's actually. BJ's the art guy. I don't know how it's all going to land up. But uh, so and the reason I'm saying this today, not only is just to let you know, you can be reading through the book of James if you want to. That's a great way to get prepared. But also, a, a new sermon series is a great time to bring somebody along. If you've got a friend or, or something that's been thinking about coming to church with you, bring them along for the start of a series because then they can jump in with us and just, you know, kind of grow through the new series with us. And if you're visiting, love to have you do that with us as well. Psalm 84, verses 5 through 7. I'm starting where I started last week because this is really kind of an expanding of the the message last week where we talked about the map, uh, the menu, and uh, the clothes. And I'll explain all that in a minute. But here we go. Let's read the Word. Father, I ask that you bless the reading of your Word today in Jesus' name. Here we go. Blessed blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. That's why we're talking about this today. Their hearts on pilgrimage. Their hearts are set on the journey. And that's what this series is about. Blessed are those who've set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, it's a place of dryness. As they pass through the dry place, it says, they make it a place of springs, and the autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each one appears before God in Zion, in the city of God, and in the destination that's in our hearts as believers. We long for that place you know, where um, the, the new Jerusalem, where, uh, where God, where we will have no hindrance between us and the Lord Himself. And He will be our God, and we will be His people. And uh, so ends the, the, the beginning of the, uh, ends the story the way it is now and into the next chapter of, of, of life with the Lord. So today, a lot of times this last Sunday message in January, I use for kind of a state of the church message. And I'm not really doing that today like, hey, this is where we've been and this is where we're going But I I do want to say just a couple of words of vision about 2014. Um, We had, and I will say just last year, last year was a great year. Last year was a great year here at Christ Fellowship, a lot of momentum in a lot of different areas. And as we are looking forward, some of the things that the Lord has been speaking to us about is uh, the word peace. And you'll hear it, I mean, even this next sermon series, we're kind of working some of that out. Peace under pressure. We've got a few other ideas about peace and joy and some things that we're going to be talking about as the year goes on. 
But this another word the Lord's given us is about creating on-ramps for people to get on the journey with Jesus. And I just want to, hopefully everybody can get a hold of that. You know, we're, we're not just, uh, I'm not just kind of doing my Christian life, but I want to help other people find on-ramps to get on the journey with God. You know, and I want to, if I'm not on that journey, I want to step up on it. There's, good, there's an invitation here every single week to get, on the, to get on the highway, get on the journey with God. We want everybody uh, on this journey. And we want to be people that help other people connect with Jesus, help other people connect with the church. And so to that end, maybe you've noticed, but we're, we're really given some more focus around here on helping people uh, feel uh, welcomed when they come in. So we've got an engaged team that we've been working on the last uh, few uh, weeks, couple months actually, and uh, working on things in terms of greeting people, welcoming people, helping people find seats, ushers. I think the plan is even to eventually have greeters even in the parking lot. Just happy people out there helping people, you know, come on in. We're putting more signs around the building. That's all engaged stuff. Is that helpful? It's just some stuff we're doing. I'm just painting some pictures of where we're going. Um, you're like, get on to the good stuff. Well, you know, one of the good things that's happening is that we've got, uh, we've uh, even reconstructed the lobby to help this whole process out. That room, that yellow kind of uh, wonderful color there, is, is uh, it's called the next room. And starting in the next couple weeks, we're going to make it available for people to have just a short little reception for visitors, just to find out what are the what are the next little first basic steps that I take in terms of getting connected with Christ Fellowship? Would that be helpful to everybody? Just a little reception. I'll do a little thing back there, and then somebody else will be involved as well. And uh, so that's the next room. We're also moving the Connect class to a monthly format around here. That'll be happening on the first Sunday, not in February, because there's some something happening. It's the some football game or something. And so... Uh, and so uh, Connect class will probably be there in the next room on Sundays, uh, first Sunday of the month. And, um, and then we're also, we're also work, doing more work just behind the scenes on creating a clearer growth path for people just moving through the phases of growth and maturity at Christ Fellowship. So that's some of the things that we're seeing and working on. And we're just calling all that under the heading of on-ramps, getting on-ramps for the journey, going to grow up in God and you know, hallelujah at the end and not be regretting a bunch of stuff and the way we lived our lives and things like that. We want to go for it. Amen? Okay, so that's, that, there's that little piece. Um, and I'll just say to you, I'm, I'm excited. I'm in just, I'm, this little season of prayer that we've been in as a church, uh, looking forward to a meal here in a little bit. And... Uh, just, and it's just good. I just told Kim, you know, there's this bittersweet thing, you know. Nobody wants to start a season of, of fasting, you know, but it's, it's good to, it always is helpful. You know, our hearts are tenderized to God. It's like we realign, we recalibrate. It gets priorities back in the right order. And I just encourage us as a church to just, let's keep pressing in, seeking God and believing for all the things that he wants to do uh, in us and through us in 2014. Well, I've been asking myself this question lately, and just a lot. I mean, I've been meditating on this question. How do we actually learn? Okay? Just think about that. How do we actually learn stuff? You know? And as much as I might like to think, I prepare a message, and you guys come in here, and, 
and I share this message and, and it just you know, it just revolutionizes your life and you go bounding out of the service. I'm changed, I'm changed. You know, I, I really realize that as important as hearing stuff and listening and taking notes or, you know, all, however you take your notes, that's important, that's a piece. But we learn with people. I'm going to just, just keep reinforcing this. We learn when we're with other people. When we're doing life with other people, that's actually how we learn. It's being with someone. It's, it's going with someone. It's, it's uh, Houston and I, we do discipleship together. It's being together and hanging out and talking about life stuff and working through it where there's an exchange of ideas. That's actually, that's how we, that's how we learn stuff best. You know? And then you, you're, you're just kind of doing life. You go eat a meal and you talk about life together. That's why doctors... Do a residency, right? You know, it's, they don't just sit in class, take the notes. Okay, give me the scalpel. And aren't you glad? Kim was telling me, her doctor, that one of the doctors she works for is an uh, otolaryngologist and uh, kind of ear, nose, and throat. And, and he's got a daughter that's in residency and she's training to do the same stuff. And she just did her first tonsillectomy, you know, taking the tonsil out. And I mean, can you imagine? I'm trying to imagine myself. I, I understand the basic concept. Open your mouth. And just, yeah, just press on into that. I, I don't want somebody doing that that hasn't really, like, walked that through with a few people, right? Absolutely. So doctors in residency, uh, student teachers, right? How many of you guys are teachers? We got some teachers? And you had to go follow somebody around and... They were the O-wise one, right? And uh, that's how you learn, right? Um, Todd Knight is a roofer. But Todd didn't always know how to do roofing. He apprenticed under a guy named Jesse Flores, Jackie's dad. You know, and by watching, following Jesse around, he learned how to do that whole trade, right? That's the way, that's the way we learn. So that's why together... And that's, you, I'm going to be talking about several different things today, but, but underlying it all is together. Together. That's why together is so important. We learn doing things together. We learn in the church. We learn in relationship. So that means life group is massively important. I love, a couple weeks ago, you know, we had a, a learning time about prophecy in our life group where we did it. You know, we did prophetic words and just shared and blessed people and encouraged and strengthened. And, and I, it probably didn't even feel like prophecy, you know. But by the way, I just want to say again, everybody's like, prophecy? Wow. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14.1, this is a digression. This is a digression. And, and so in this, in this digression, Paul says, sorry, Kim's going to say don't, don't do that next time. <laughs> He says, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Why? Because it builds up the church. It brings strengthening, encouragement, and comfort to the church. So it's like we, we, we get sensitive to God and we say, Lord, give me something that will encourage my brother or my sister. It might be a scripture or a word of encouragement, maybe a picture or something that just, you know, uh, somebody had, we had a worship and prayer night here the other night, had a great Friday night of worship and prayer. And uh, somebody had a, a word for me. It had to do with alignment and um, uh, just the, the breath of God blowing into my life. Man, that was encouraging. It's like, man, I didn't know I needed that, but it was, it was, it was good. 
Okay. <laughs> Back. Um, so life groups, that's just an example of that. Discipleship, that's a life-on-life -life thing that I've already uh, mentioned where just one brother getting with another brother or two or one sister with another sister or two and, uh, in the Lord. And it is, can I just say, what I just mentioned there, life groups and discipleship, it is the X factor of what's going on. If you were to look under the hood of what is happening at Christ Fellowship, that is the X factor. What makes this all flow? What makes this all work? Why does there seem to be so much life here? If you look under the hood, what you're going to see is life groups and discipleship kind of smiling back at you there. Jesus, of course, but, but it's, it's in that context of doing life together. So I want to take that thought even a bit further here just as I'm kicking things off. And uh, again, I've been reading a bunch of C.S. Lewis this week. It's just uh, I'm, next several weeks I'm going to be doing that. And uh, so uh, one of the things he pointed out in this, uh, in this uh, essay called The Grand Miracle is uh, he said that there are some downsides to the democratic ideal, to democracy, and especially as it relates to God. You know, so democracy is a good thing. That's what we, that's our system of government. And it's the idea that one person, one vote, and really that we're all just kind of, we're all, we're all on a level plane. And I want to I say that in terms of a trajectory, and especially in terms of rights and equality and value of people, that is a great thought. The, now, stay with me here, but the reality is there's not equality. There really isn't equality in the world. In fact, the way you, you look at the story of God and you see that God steps down and chooses one man, one nation, and th even this one girl, and in through her life, he brings the Son of God. You know? And so there's, it's, not, it's not all equal. You know? And through that life, he steps into the earth and he changes everything. He makes everything right. And he literally comes from exalted eternal God down all the way into humanity, into creation, and just down to the very bottom of all of that, and then he takes it all back up and makes it right. Glory to God. I mean, that's good news. But it's not like any of us could have done that. You know, it's not a story of, yeah, we're all equal. You know, and, and, and it's really true even in our, you know, in, in a lot of life. I mean, in, as I'm just processing, I've just been thinking about this thing. It's like, would we really want a world where there was nobody smarter than me or you? Like the, in the whole wide world, nobody's smarter than you. In the whole wide world, nobody's stronger than you. Nobody's better looking. All equal. For starters, I'd be playing in the Super Bowl next week. <laughs> Equal. You know, Richard Sherman, sorry, buddy. I'm moving in today. I guess that kind of puts me on the Seahawks. I don't know. <laughs> James is from Seattle, so we've been ribbing him. But, um, but what I'm saying there is that it's, it's true. You know, like in uh, wealth, there's different levels of wealth. And just because somebody has more wealth doesn't even mean that it's better. It doesn't mean that somebody's more happy. There's different levels of happiness and joy and experience of positive emotions in life. There's different levels of 
of, uh, or some things I wrote down, um, of freedom, different levels of freedom. There's not, everybody's not equal in freedom. There's different levels of forgiveness. There's different understanding, different levels of understanding of the revelation of Jesus Christ. And everybody's not equal in that. And so what that means is, just like Jesus stepped down and reached down and, and, and out to help, that's, that's what the Christian life is. He's calling us to step down, to reach out, to bring others along. You know, uh, one of Lewis's quotes there was, we are all hopelessly indebted to someone else. You know, we get our life, somebody else laid down their life in order for us to have life. And it's true with Jesus, but it's also true in how you grow. I mean, for years I've heard Jimmy Seibert down in Waco say, you know, if we're moving forward, if something's moving forward in the kingdom, somebody's dying. Somebody's laying down their lives. And it's true at the parent level with our kids. It's true at the church level. It's true in leadership. It's true in the city. You know, somebody's sacrificing. Somebody's going low in order to reach across and help somebody else. So it's this, this huge, huge thing. So this year at CF, here's the main thing I'm trying to say today. This year at CF, we want to reach out and help others connect with Jesus and growth in the journey that happens together. So it's a together thing, right? We treasure this together stuff, this church. I'm going to go ahead and say that I know that some, depending on your background, that may not be that positive of a word. And uh, but I want you to note, Jesus is calling each one of you. He's got a. <laughs> he's reaching out. Doesn't phase me. Just tracking, man. What was I saying? The church. So we treasure the church because Jesus treasures the church. You know? And so it's important to us because it's important to, to Jesus. Jesus appears to Saul in a blinding light on the Damascus road. And he says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute the church? Does he say that? He doesn't. He says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Okay? So Saul's persecuting the church. But Jesus says, why do you persecute me? And he's, he's letting us know that to him, we are his body. You know, the church is his body, one with him, unified with him. So here we go. This year, God wants us to see, number one, that, that we understand the territory better together. Remember last week we talked about the idea of having a map that helps us to go beyond what we can currently see? That's why we read the scriptures we, we say, yes, we're going to follow Jesus with our lives. And so that's the, that's the map. And we still use the map all the time in life. Reading scripture, looking to Jesus. But it's important for us to see, if we're going to walk this thing out together, that there are places where we've actually looked at the map and we've learned what the territory is in a certain area. It doesn't mean we stop looking at the map and don't need to use it again, but we can actually help somebody else along in part of the territory because we've, we've learned the map and we've learned that part of the territory. could be a husband and wife that have been through a hard time and, and they navigated some stuff and there was a ditch and, 
in the place where they almost turned their ankles and they can help somebody else along that way. Or a man that wants to help some other guys because he's navigated some of the stuff that men go through in, lie, in their lives. Everybody tracking with me? That's the, that's the territory. It's different from just studying the map. The territory, when you know that, you actually know something about, about what the map points to, the reality that the map points to, the on-the-ground experience of you know, what that's like. I had lunch a number of years ago, or a couple, it's actually a couple years ago with a guy named Jason Ramos. And uh, I was reminded of his story on Thursday at lunch, and I had gotten to hear it then and uh, heard, heard it again on Thursday. And uh, Jason was this guy. He's down at Antioch Community Church in Waco. And Jason uh, was raised up in the hood in Waco, became a drug dealer, selling, selling drugs and all that kind of stuff, arrested a bunch of times. The police totally knew who he was and eventually violated some parole and uh, had to go to prison in Lubbock for a season. And while he was there, he made some commitments that he was going to start following the Lord. And when he came back to Waco, he got out of prison, came back to Waco, and he found his way into Antioch Community Church. Sits down all by himself, and the guy that's just a couple seats over there is the head of psychology or something like that at Baylor University. The guy sees him. He reaches out to him. He invites him to lunch. They go to lunch. He thought, man, that's, this is great. The guy's being nice taking me to lunch. But he wants to grow. He wants to take the next steps in God. And so he, he goes to lunch. He gets invited to life group. He starts going to life group. This older group of uh, you know, life group people come around this guy. He needs a job. They help him find a job. You know, ex-felon, help him find a job. He needs some money to get on his feet. They help him do that. He wants to start reaching out to his ex-wife. They help him start reaching out to his ex-wife. They get reconciled. They end up getting remarried. You know, and so then they had a few kids already, and then they had a few more kids after being married. You know, and I mean, his story is just, they, he ends up helping to start this uh, thing called the Mercy House. It's a drug halfway house that the church owns close there by the church building and just helps people come out of this stuff. And just, I mean, his story is just one after another after another. And the, the deal is he's learning. He's, he's, people are helping him look at the map, but over time he's actually learning the territory so that he can help other people navigate that same path. And so there was this big luncheon, and I forget what the, what the, the, the point of it, the, the focus of it was, but he was the keynote speaker at this luncheon. I mean, with the police chief and the mayor and everything in Waco because he's just represented this massive transition of a life. In fact, the police chief said he'd given up on rehabilitation actually happening until he heard the story of Jason Ramos. And he looked at his life and he said, man, praise, you know, praise God. I guess he's a believer. You know, and says, praise God you know, that, this can, you know, that this can happen. I believe that rehabilitation can happen. And so, you know, uh, in fact, the mayor at that lunch stands up and reads the bio that Jason had given him. He said, give me a bio about yourself. And so the bio read something like lover of Jesus, discipler of men, leader of a life group, lover of my wife and my kids, and owns a landscape business or something like that. And that's his bio, you know, and he stands up. All that to say, it just got me thinking about you, you learn the territory by walking through tough stuff in life, and then you're actually able to help other people. He still, to this day, does a couple weekends a month at Mercy House 
helping other guys navigate who are just in the throes of coming out of addiction and drugs and all that kind of stuff. Help them figure out how to navigate that territory. Now, wouldn't it be awesome if there was 10 Jasons here, you know, that could, you know, find the Lord and find a way forward and help other people? And really, there are. You know, it's just the Lord's calling us to find those people in our lives and allow them to come into the experience, into the, the, the way that we can help them navigate the territory. Does that make sense? So just practically, it's learning how to... Let me just give you some examples. It's, it's learning how to navigate a healthy marriage. You know, some of us have navigated into a healthy place in life, in marriage, you know, and helping others do that. Here's the territory. Or parenting. You know, some, you know, just if you've navigated some of that, helping other people navigate that. Or finances. I love some of the new stuff that's been happening in the last year with get, helping people get out of debt or stay out of debt or never get into debt in the first place. You know, all those different kinds of key places on the journey. Being light in the workplace. That's huge. Learning how to share in a way that fits within the context of your business or whatever you're doing in a way that just, Jesus does call us to be light. You know, um, learning to spend time with God. You know, again, if you don't, if you haven't learned to navigate that territory, that's huge. That would be the number one piece of pastoral advice I would give any believer is to just not out of a, a legalistic kind of thing or something, but just because this is how we navigate life. You know, I could tell you, hey, take a right, take a left, take a right. There's a little turn around there. You know, I could tell you what to do. Or you can get up and spend time with Jesus and him show you day by day. You know, years, I remember years ago when I really started hitting the, uh, the quiet time thing hard, it was because we were working through some issues with a couple different marriages and I realized I'm waiting on God for them. I'm seeking God for their marriage and saying, Lord, help me. Give me something as I go meet with them. And I asked them, are you doing the same thing? And they said, no. You know, and I was like, whoa, okay, so, wow, the most important thing anybody can do is listen to what Jesus says and then do what he says. Just, just a thought. Okay, abiding, uh, you know, helping others abide, sharing your faith, learning to be together, learning to do community. You know, I think in our culture, in the garage door down, garage door up culture, you know, uh, even when we're with people, our heads are down in our phones or, or whatever, it's important to learn the skills and navigate the territory of actually being face-to-face, -face, turning toward one another, like relearning the skill of being people together. Right? So there we go. That's the first one. We understand the territory better when we do it together. I'm thinking of Jack Johnson right now. Jack Johnson song. About three people know that. We could be better together. It's kind of chill. That's your assignment for this afternoon. Go listen to the Jack Johnson song, Better Together. Um, I hope it's clean. I hadn't thought about that. Mercy. I'm sure I'll get a few emails. Oh, by the way, Help me, Lord. Um, yeah, so the second piece then is that this year God wants us to see that we practice 
virtues better together. We practice the virtues better together. So remember last week we, we touched on Colossians 3.12 and that's you know where you put on the clothes. Do you remember that? Putting on the clothes. Therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, humility, kindness, gentleness, and patience. The idea there, and I'll go ahead and read a, another one that's very similar. Second uh, Peter. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 5, for this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, the idea of virtues is that these are things that we grow in. Nobody comes out of the womb, you know, just bringing it on kindness or virtue or, I mean, humility, gentleness, all those different things, godliness, brotherly kindness, those things. And so we grow into those, like a youngster learning to uh, get the right shoe on the right foot, learning to tie the shoes, learning to get our shirt on, learning to do buttons and all that. That's what kindness and kindness and humility, all those things have to be learned. And so the way we do that together, we receive from someone and then we also share with someone, you know, and it just, it helps us. We, we might see them do it or we might hear them explain it to us, you know, uh, again, I'm quoting that Thursday talk because it was just so fresh in my mind, but just hearing Jimmy lay out again what are three basic questions that we all need to be dealing with in our discipling relationships? It's, it's real simple. I wrote those down for you because I want you to have them. How's it going with Jesus? How's, how's your time with the Lord? How's it going with Jesus Christ? And how can I help? I mean, that's, that, that's huge right there. How's it going with Jesus? And how can I help you? The second piece, who are you investing in? And how can I help you with that? Because we're called to be disciples that make disciples. So that's just, that's, that's a vision for the rest of your life. And it's, you don't have to be, you know, you, uh, you don't have to be a slugger hitting it out of the park, but just coming up and just, you know, making contact. There's strikeouts along the way, but it's just, that's, that's, that's the journey. You know, it's, it's, uh, nobody does that thing perfectly. Who are you investing in and how can I help? And then the last one is just, what stuff are you dealing with? What are you dealing with and how can I help you with that? You know, guys have stuff they deal with. Girls have stuff they deal with. You know, and that's why it's same sex on the discipling thing. But just giving, receiving. You know, even, uh, you know, usually in the course of a week, I'll have multiple opportunities to be helped by someone growing in virtue and also help others in growing in virtue. You know, and uh, had a, you know, couple different meetings. One this week were just... It was, it was awesome. Brother, just, we were just talking, and there was an opportunity to share something that was helpful and life-giving. And he said, thanks, man. I needed somebody to you know, say that. Okay? That's, that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about. But other things would be like um, helping, you know, virtue would be responding and not reacting. Helping each other do that. You know, what does it look like for Chris 
to respond and not react. For Tiffany to respond and not react. For Lisa to respond and not react. You see what I'm saying? That's a, man, I need help on that. Anybody ever reacted before you responded? You know what I'm talking about. Um, or how to walk in freedom. You know, that's a great one. How to, just the, the freedom. How to walk in freedom in life. Helping. How to get out of debt. Not be in debt. Be generous. You know, those are virtues. How to love others. How to love people that are older than me. How to love people that are younger than me. Just how to love. How to treat people. Love is a virtue in that, in that way. How to love our spouse. How to, uh, you know, if there's something between us, then humbling myself in order to get this thing worked out. Not because I'm the, or maybe because I'm the head, as Jesus describes, that Paul describes that. You know, going low, choosing humility. It's hard to, uh, to get things worked out without humility, right? Just read yesterday that it's the it's the the virtue that goes with the chief vice, pride. And out of pride, I'll follow all the other vices. They're all connected to that. So let the last one then. Last big piece here is that God wants us uh, this year. God wants us to see that we learn the right desires together. Psalm 27, verse four. Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing I ask of the Lord, and this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. Okay, so we're talking about desire, right? One thing. One thing. Old city slickers. It's one thing, right? Curly. One thing. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. So you've got... This community thing the, the, in his house, in the temple, and you've also got the focus point being Jesus himself in the context of together. So that's what's happening in this passage. We learn the right desires when we better together. Just think about worship. You know, I, uh, you don't, uh, worship is like virtue. There's, there's a virtuous part of that that you just learn and you, you learn to follow God in that. There's not one right way to do it. There's all these biblical expressions of what worship looks like. Kneeling, you know. Um, you know, I haven't done it many times, but prostrate, laying down is a, is a pretty biblical expression of worship. You know, it's like, you know, the Lord's speaking to me big time, you know, when I'm all the way down on the ground, right? Uh, kneeling, though, bowing, uh, giving a shout of praise and celebration, lifting your hands, all those, those things, and they, it's like our bodies. We are tactile learners. We learn by doing stuff. We learn by getting involved. And we learn to fix our, our focus and our attention gets on the Lord Jesus in the context of worship, and especially when we're worshiping you know, with others. Prayer would be like that as well, where we're praying and it just has a way of grabbing our attention and our focus. And I can't tell you how many times I've like been in the place of prayer and just gone, listen to somebody praying and go, wow, that, that stirs my heart. That encourages me. It's like God's speaking through them, you know, they're, they're praying, 
but I'm, I'm getting focused on the Lord more by hearing others pray. So worship, prayer, um, holiness. Holiness would be another place where it helps us to get focused on the Lord. In fact, if you want to live holy, the best advice I can give you is to focus on the Lord. You know, it's not to avoid all the stuff you don't need to be doing. The best advice I can give you is to focus on the Lord. And so I was talking, I mentioned this last week, and, and uh, somebody reminded me about a story that I've shared a number of times here, but I know that we have people that maybe haven't heard this, and so I'll, I'll share it again. This was a paradigm shift for me when I first heard this. I love this story. So, you know, it's like a rerun if you've heard it. Just enjoy it again. But it's from Greek mythology, and it, it's about Ulysses. Anybody ever heard of Ulysses? So Ulysses had all these guys with him, and, and he wanted to go sailing past the island. For some reason, they had to go past the island of the Sirens. Anybody know what the Sirens are? They're these beautiful women that have these voices, but they're not really beautiful women. They're actually demon beings that lure sailors to the rocks of their little island with their beautiful voices. I'm not going to do that part. You just imagine... You're imagining, and so it's beautiful. It's unbelievably beautiful. Ulysses knew he had to go past the island. He wanted to hear the song, but he didn't want to crash and die. So he said, okay, men, here's what we're going to do. I want you to tie me to the mast. I want you to put wax in your ears, and under no circumstances, no matter what I say or do, are you going to you know, untie me. We're going to keep sitting, you know, rowing right past the island. So they tie him up. They got to put wax in their ears, and... You know, they're, they're going past the island, right? And he hears the, the, them start singing. And it's beautiful. It's unbelievably beautiful. And he goes, oh, man, this is incredible. We've landed. We're home. Go to the island. Go to the island. Forget what I said. Go to the island. We've got to go there now. And the whole time, he totally wants to be there. He's tied up to the mast of no in his life, tempted out of his mind, totally wants to be there, not here, but he stays gripped, tied a prisoner to his big no, right? By tracking with him. Jason and the Argonauts also had to go, a little later in time, also had to go past the island of the Sirens. Jason chose a different path. Rather than putting wax in the men's ears, he brought along a guy named Orpheus, who just happened to be the best flute player in all of the world. So Orpheus is in the front of the boat there, and they go sailing past the island, and the song starts being sung, it's beautiful. All the guys are flipping out. Uh, you know, Jason, we've got to go. We've got to turn. We gotta, this is incredible. And Jason calmly says, Orpheus, start playing now. And at that point, Orpheus starts playing the sweetest song on a flute that had ever been played. It was beautiful. And they were able to get composure, hear what was being sung by the sirens, but then hear this better, sweeter song that was being played by Orpheus Peace came, and they were able to sail on past the island. Now, it doesn't take rocket science to figure out that Jesus, the treasure of all treasures, is the sweetest song that's ever been played. And he is the, he is the captivating desire that cuts the root of sin off and deadens it in our lives. He sets us free. I mean, that's what happened with me. That, in the end, that is, I, I, was, I didn't know that story back when I was coming out of a bunch of stuff, but it was Jesus 
that became the treasure in my life that allowed me to say no to things that had been gripping me and alluring me and the song that was pulling me over to the island that was killing me. And I met Jesus. Isn't that awesome? So, so, you know, it's that kind of thing that we learn better together. You know, hearing, you know, even just uh, Kenny reminded me of that, that story from years ago. A, a good friend had told that. And so the difference, like I mentioned last week, it's choosing rancid, maggot-infested meat and feeding on that. That doesn't sound good. Or choosing a filet mignon for vegetarians. It would be a tofu, <laughs> kale, kale extravaganza. <laughs> Lightly oiled. No, no salt. Love everybody. Okay, so what's, what's the result of all this? We're doing this life together. We're moving forward this year, man. I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm desiring Him. Those things are starting to get stirred up in our hearts. What's the result? There's a new understanding for us who are walking this way. If we just get to, The more we're committing our lives to walking together in this way, what we believe starts to move from just something that's in our head it starts to actually move down into our hearts. And when something gets down in your heart, then all of a sudden it's different. It's different. It becomes like a value. And when something's a value, it's, it actually changes what you do. Like I actually start acting based upon loving God and loving my brothers and sisters. I start acting upon the value of, of, of seeing how I grow with others. I start acting on the value of, 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 of believing that my soul is encouraged when I'm together with others in life group. I start acting on the value of knowing that I am shaped in ways that I can't even fully explain when I'm here Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, worshiping God, hearing the Word of God preached, having somebody pray for me, receiving ministry, going out, generally receiving a blessing of some kind so that you know, just, I'm, I'm leaving with that benediction in my heart of blessing from God. You know, and that, that's not a bummer. And you can't even, it's not even like I can go, this is what happens, you know, if you do that four weeks in February, this is what happens. But over a lifetime, and over just time, we start to be shaped. Our thinking, our desires, we start knowing the territory more. We start practicing the virtues more. All those kinds of things start happening as we learn those values. And we get a value, it becomes the culture for us. And, and, uh, it just means being intentional, I guess, about how we're going to live this year in 2014. Being intentional, you know, and, and uh, I'm going to be someone who's going to go this path. We are going to be people that do this and live this way. We're going to do it with others that are committing to do that. And I want to grow. I want to be changed. I don't want to stay the same. You know, and it's, it's I know I'm talking about commitments and uh, Commitments, sometimes that's a hard word, you know, making commitments. But, you know, it's the little commitments that we make that end up changing our lives. As we get our life focused, you know, and it's just, the Bible calls it repentance, but just as we turn in the right direction and start looking to the Lord. And if it helps you, what I'm talking about is just taking the on-ramp where you're at. You don't have to be where I'm at, where Jim's at, where Chris is at. Heidi's at. You don't have to be somewhere else. Be where you're at. But take the on-ramp and get on the journey. 
You know, if it's getting started on the journey, praise the Lord. You know, if it's, if it's you've been going 20 years or 30 years or whatever, then let's, let's keep staying on. Let's don't go to the rest area and park for five years. If you've been there, then let's take the on-ramp back up on and get on, get on the journey, okay? Is that making sense? Okay, let's stand up. And here's the way I want to do a little bit of ministry today. You know, if it's on your heart, like you're, this is resonating with you, what I'm saying. Ministry team, come on up. If, if what I'm saying is resonating and you'd say, I want to make fresh commitments for 2014 to be on the journey, then get prayer. And, uh, but here's what I've also found, is that a lot of times it's, it's the hindrance that needs to be prayed about. It's the, it's, there's some kind of hindering thing that hinders us from getting on the journey. And so I want to encourage you too, if you would say, you feel like in your heart, like, man, there's a, there's a hindrance, there's a blockage, there's, I feel um, disappointed because of something that happened in the past, or I feel wounded because of a hurt in uh, something that happened in doing, trying to do things with, together with people. And I want to encourage you, get prayer. The front will probably fill up quickly. But get prayer. You can come here. Uh, if you know somebody close by, get prayer. Husbands and wives, pray together. Just let's, you know, a big win for today would be to say, we are not going to let the things that have hindered us in the past stop us from getting up on the journey, taking the on-ramp, and fulfilling God's destiny for our lives. And he has that for everybody. He loves every one of us. He wants us there with him. So let's join him.